you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Today's podcast episode requires a disclaimer. For some people, the conversation in this podcast may be confronting and touches on the topic of suicide, which can be triggering. Please consider how you are feeling today when deciding whether to listen. And if you aren't feeling at your optimal mental health, you may not want to listen to this episode. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please get help immediately. In Australia, Lifeline provides 24-7 crisis support on 131114 or please refer to appropriate services in your location. Welcome to today's episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I am your host, Janine Garner, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you once again to this podcast where I have the honour of sharing some incredible stories about people who have dug deep, found their brilliance and are now sharing that with the world. Today's episode, I sit down with an incredible woman, Donna Thistlethwaite, to share her amazing story. Donna was regarded as an enthusiastic and competent HR professional. Her mental health, however, quickly altered when a workplace challenge triggered an unravelling of her life. In 2012, Donna fell from Brisbane's Story Bridge in an attempt to end her life. And in this podcast, we discuss the lead-up events to attempting suicide right through to her recovery process and the incredible work that she now does. Today, Donna is an award-winning entrepreneur and an accomplished speaker trainer on mental health and resilience. She shares her story to inspire others to know that everything is figureoutable. And in this raw and real conversation, Donna reminds us that failure, whether that be real or perceived, does not need to define us. And that with the right strategies, They can be used successfully to create a fulfilling and happy life, no matter your current challenges. Donna shares her inspiring story about thriving after a significant mental health experience to build resilience and normalize discussions about mental health. She frequently shares her journey and insights to empower and equip leaders and individuals with strategies to build resilience individuals and teams a mentally healthy workplace. Please listen deeply. The lessons are wide and deep for every single one of us in this podcast, in this raw and real conversation. And thank you, Donna, for allowing us to share this conversation. Oh my goodness, I am so excited to finally have you on the show, Donna. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Janine. Amazing to be here. Gosh, it's been a while, hasn't it? We've uh, had to reschedule a couple of times, more from uh, from my perspective, because life got a little bit crazy with uh, three children going through high school. It just got a bit mental sickness and all that sort of stuff. But finally, we're here, yeah. which is great. And um, I can't wait to share with our listeners, just you, uh, your story and the incredible gifts that uh, that you share now uh, through your work to help other people unleash their brilliance and become everything they want to be. So before we jump straight into it, yeah. um, let me just ask you a couple of quick fire questions. Um, let's get a taster of who you are. Uh, whether we like the same stuff and just get a feel for who <laughs> actually is. So Donna, um, whereabouts are you from? I'm from Brisbane and I still live I live in Brisbane now. Yeah. So, so Brisbane. Brisbane yep, absolutely. I moved around a lot, but love Brisbane. And are you a coffee or a tea girl or something completely different? Uh, I would say coffee. Do you have a favourite? Uh, probably oat milk uh, mocha at the moment. 
isn't it crazy how you can get oat milk everywhere now? Yes. Like in the last 12 months, it's like, oh my gosh, you can get it everywhere. Yeah. Love it. Um, are you into TV shows? Are you, have you got a favourite TV show oh, at the moment? Interesting question. Do you know, I would say no, I'm not into TV, except that I do, I have had favourite shows and I would say one of them is Ted Lasso. Oh, my goodness. It's my favourite. Isn't that amazing? It's so funny. Do you know what? Being from the UK originally, I think whoever those writers are, they've absolutely nailed the English sense of humour, the England soccer scene and all those different personalities. It so makes me laugh. It's it's the best. Now, can you share um, what what exactly do you say you do right now? What's your what's your official grown up job title? I would say that I am a mental health and resilience speaker and trainer. Yeah, uh, I do work a lot in the corporate sector to help organisations to create mentally healthy workplaces. Uh, so where employees are thriving and where they're able to support colleagues who are struggling, and you know, there's a high degree of psychological safety in the business. Mm-hmm. So right now we're recording this in 2022 and I am imagining after the last two years of the pandemic that so many countries, leaders, organisations, individuals are continuing to live through that your work is in demand right now. Yes, I think uh, there's never been... uh, a bigger appetite for this type of work and bigger need. You know, I think um, many of us have been impacted by the pandemic and, uh, yeah, it's it's been a challenging time. And I think, too, there's, there's a positive to that as well in that it's become more acceptable to to not be okay and to say that we're not okay. So I think it's leading to more genuine conversations and more help-seeking, and I think that can only ever be a good thing for workplaces but for our communities too. Absolutely. Now, to try and get an understanding of of where your work came from and uh, where this this passion and this purpose that you've discovered came from, um, can you just share a little bit with us around you know, how you grew up, what your childhood or the community was like, that, that, that er, those early years and how you think looking back, they have shaped who you are currently right now and who you're becoming. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I had an interesting childhood. Um, my uh, father was a Vietnam vet. Uh, so while he was in Vietnam, my Mother had a very serious car accident. I was three and my uh, middle sister was one at the time. And our mother sustained a very serious brain injury and she became paralyzed down the left side of her body. And as I understand it, had like an 18-month recovery and uh, remained disabled from that experience. So uh, later I had another child. So I've got two sisters and uh, I became a helper at a very young age. So at five, I was putting nappies on my little baby sister because our mum was paralysed on the left side. And I was ringing an ambulance if mum had a seizure. And so a lot of responsibility for a little person. So I think I grew up uh, responsible for from a very young age and also um, have just always uh, found joy in helping other people Later, my parents split when I was eight and my youngest sister uh, went with our mum or our mum took our youngest sister. So that was a little bit of, I guess, childhood adversity and there were also good times. I I, um, had a close relationship with my dad and, you know, he taught us lots. I think uh, my dad always said that he wanted to have uh, daughters and loved having you know three girls but he sort of brought us up like boys in a way or you know with behaviors that would be typical of boys like I rode motorbikes and he taught me how to play blackjack and read a form guide and my sister and I would have wrestling matches and you know that he would referee and uh, so all sorts of things that I think Looking back, or maybe a little unconventional, but I think maybe contributed to me having a fair bit of tenacity and resilience. Yeah. 
And who, when you think about, you know, that childhood and where your life has headed and the work that you're doing, who who do you think has been that most influential person in, in your life? What sort of people are in your life and providing the influence to keep going? Yeah, this is an interesting question. I think my dad has always uh, been a big influence on me uh, in terms of um, he did teach me to get back up when you fall down and, you know, sometimes that was even physically I remember having a motorbike crash and, you know, him saying, right, get up and push that bike home, you know. Um, And so, yeah, definitely the tenacity. I think nowadays some of my biggest influences are people like, uh, Brené Brown. Uh, I'm a really big fan of uh, a woman who lives on the Gold Coast um, generally, um, Nicole Gibson. So I don't know if you've heard of Nick, but she has a movement called Love Out Loud. And from the moment I saw her on stage, I her message resonated so strongly. And the message really is that every single one of us is looking to be seen heard and loved and if we can meet people in love um, with love you know in our conversations and you know give people the benefit of the doubt um, you know be curious uh, I think it's amazing uh, the impact it can have on our relationships and it extends to self-love as well you know just that radical self-love and acceptance and when we can show up in that state or when we can you know create that in ourselves magic happens Mm. And it's it's those things that we know, but actually are hard to do. So many people find it hard to have that radical self love. There's so much baggage and things, which I'm imagining is is where what you see a lot in your work. Yes, absolutely. And there's times when I struggle with it as well, Janine. Even though you know intellectually I know this stuff and I can spend significant periods in that zone there are times when you know I can be really challenged as well and you know slip out of it and right now I've got um I guess affirmations written on my bathroom mirror in liquid chalk along the lines of you know, love and accept yourself you know raise that vibe you've got this and so it's so my reminder when I walk in there okay, check in with yourself, you know, speak kindly to yourself. And and I found that those sort of things really do help. Yeah. So I'm curious because you think about the, you know, the Brisbane girl that grew up sort of caring a lot for other people, given significant amounts of responsibility at a young age, and then this, this incredible father that that taught you resilience and it was almost like, it didn't matter what gender you were. I'm going to give you the life skills to get up and go. And the work that you're doing now, um, what was that watershed moment um, that changed your life? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I'd say my mid twenties, I I knew that I uh, wanted to do more than the, I guess, admin job that I had and people had been encouraging me along the way. And so I decided to go off to uni to study and I became a HR professional. And, again, it was always about helping. You know, I've always loved people, always wanted to make a difference. And, yeah, so moved into that field, absolutely loved it, Um worked it never felt like work it, you know just felt like I was myself and I got paid for doing what I loved and that was amazing and then in 2012 I had uh I had a two-year-old and I had uh just about a year or so uh, before returned to work as a HR professional and over that time um Things had changed a bit at work and I moved into a project role because I was working part-time and I ended up leading a small team and uh, being involved in a significant change project in the organisation. And initially it was, uh, it, it all went well and then I, I came to a point where I just started to struggle. I um had some issues happening in my team. I actually had a, a stand-up argument with somebody that worked for me and 
I hadn't really experienced that sort of thing at work before. And I guess I come from like an old school, you know, like model of like, you don't speak to supervisors, you know, like that. You don't question them. And, and it was um, one of my first roles as a leader as well. And I was just really taken aback. And what happened was that it triggered a whole bunch of my past trauma and, you know, my uh, unworthiness, my self-doubt. And I just started to think that I was hopeless and failing and that everyone uh, was discovering that and you know they were finding out what I'd always known about myself but had kept you know um deeply hidden uh that I was that I was useless <laughs> and so yeah these unhelpful thoughts just put me into this spiral and over a relatively short time I uh got to a point where I just thought um I can't do this I don't, I don't want to be here I I can't see how to fix this situation. I'm going to get dismissed from my job, which was ridiculous. I had been there 16 and a half years, had an impeccable record, you know, had a great reputation, uh, but I didn't reach out to anybody to talk about what was going on, which is something I'd always recommend, you know. And um, so I got to a point where I thought that everyone would be better off without me and my family and um colleagues and I attempted to end my life by jumping off a, a bridge and uh, that uh, I, I was lucky to survive. Uh, that fall was uh, over 30 metres. Uh, apparently a fall like that is the impacts like hitting concrete and it's only through a series of miracles that I'm even here today. So you actually, one morning... Can you can you remember that that process? Did you did you go out with that intention? I I remember there was uh, on the Friday night. I started to think, um, you know, I just I can't do this anymore, and, and thoughts of suicide started, um, I guess, entering my mind, and and I wasn't really able to sleep, and. Over that weekend, I thought, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And by the Sunday, I absolutely made up my mind. And I have a pretty high, I guess, um, propensity to action when I decide something, unfortunately, and in this case. And so on the Sunday afternoon, I told my partner that I was going to do the shopping and I drove to the bridge to plan. Uh, basically do a recce and work out where I would park and, and how things would, uh, I guess, unfold. And then once I was there, I I actually decided that I would do it then. I, um, I just thought, you're here. All right. And so 30-foot bridge into water. Yeah. So, so what happened mm. next? Yeah, so um, I remember hitting the water and just a stinging pain in my body. And I, I do recall resurfacing, but then pretty much I blacked out uh, from there, or at least I think my mind has locked down those memories, really. And I woke up in the Royal Brisbane Hospital and, um, yeah, was shocked to be alive, to be honest. It wasn't the outcome that I had foreseen. Uh, I knew that other people who had jumped off that bridge, um, you know, had died. And, and uh, you know, my thinking wasn't rational. I, I, it didn't occur to me that I could actually be really badly injured and, you know, potentially disabled in a similar way to my mum. And, um, yeah, that didn't occur to me at all. Uh, what did happen was a city cat, like one of the ferries on the Brisbane River, um, had heard on the radio that somebody had jumped and they were on the lookout for a body, I guess. And, um, and I, you know, I've had the honour of talking to these guys. Um, my story is, I'm not sure if you know, it's uh, featured in an episode of Australian Story that came out in 2017. And so they've shown me what happened where on the river and basically they thought that 
a log was floating in the river and went over and uh, checked it out and discovered me and I was face down and had they not um, had they not done that, I, I wouldn't be here. So I owe my life to them and they're just the most amazing guys. Mm. So incredibly grateful. And so, yeah, they um, rescued me and got me to an ambulance and, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> what, what injuries did you did you actually have? I fractured five vertebrae and lacerated my liver, and then pretty much I was just the back of me was just black and uh, yeah. That, and, and I mean, the really cool thing is I don't have any residual injuries. It's very cool. Yeah. So, so in terms of where you're at now and, and the what happened then next, so when, yeah. what made you or what thought process, what happened? Can you share, looking back now, the, what was the moment when you chose mm. to keep living and to essentially do what you're doing now when did you when did you find what was the moment how did that happen where the decision the path that you chose to take is the path that you're on now yeah fortunately for me on that first night in hospital I just went oh my gosh like how did you survive that you must be meant to be here like there must be something you're meant to do. There's a reason. And so I, I pretty much made a decision at that point that uh, I wanted to live. And later I I checked into a mental health unit for a little while uh, to try and process what had gone on. And the nurse in there told me that if I had ended my life by suicide that my son would be at 50% greater risk of suicide in his lifetime and while it's not I haven't really been able to verify that statistic everybody and all the research says that the risk would be greater and in that moment I just went right no matter how life ever bad life ever gets that's never going to be um, my, my solution because I, at the time I thought I would be helping my family and I just thought I would never want to curse my little boy in that way. And I would love to say to you that, you know, I just turned my life around after that, um, but it actually took a few years for things to change. Uh, interestingly, I uh, set up my own business as a career practitioner, which I often laugh at now and think oh my gosh there I was with fragile mental health doing one of the most challenging things you can do in working for yourself but um it felt good and I got to help people every day so you know it was definitely my thing and uh, I did that for over seven years and loved it and then what happened was one day I was actually at coffee with a few ladies uh, who um parents of uh, children that were at my son's school and I I saw this young woman uh, talk about like her patterns and her you know just her behaviors and analyzing this stuff and I just went oh my gosh this chick's half my age and she's got twice my insight and I just went that's it I, I don't want to live like this anymore and I said to them there was just a couple of ladies left at the time and I just went, you know what, I have these really unhelpful thoughts in my head regularly. I think there's something wrong with me. I think I'm boring. I think that, you know, I, um, I'm i not as good as other people and they were just like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, we see this really bright energy. You know, we just see someone who can light up a room when they walk into it and then I was like, wow what is going on here? There is a real disconnect with what, how I'm perceiving myself and what goes on in the world and what other people uh, are experiencing of me. And that was definitely a turning point. And uh, practically, I think that day I just went, right, 
I'm not going to live like this anymore. What do I need to actually have a, a, a healthy life, a good life? And and I pretty much just said to the universe, what is it? And over the next year, I just found a bunch of things. You know, I worked with a neurolinguistic programming practitioner. I started meditating. I found a gratitude practice. And just it was like all these things just dropped in. And I found that the sort of healthier I got, the more sort of mentally well, the more I was thriving, um, opportunities just opened up in my life and amazing people came in like you know someone gave me some free coaching because he's like he was the president of our chamber of commerce and he said you know I see you give and give and give but you know I don't see you taking much and so you know I had that opportunity I reconnected with my passion for cycling which I'd given up when I was pregnant and had always been my thing so I've been back on my bike five years and that's a priority in my life and so yeah um it was just amazing and then ultimately that led to a strange story happening and so these incredible events have happened along the way that I just feel like if I had sought those out I probably could never have created them but it just seemed that as I worked on myself, magic just started to happen, you know, just right people, amazing opportunities and, um, yeah. And so I, I often think I don't feel like it's just me. I feel like I'm being looked after, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I uh, oh, There's so many questions I want to ask you. Um, before I get into... Uh, that magic has happened and yeah. what you were learning and teaching as a result of this. Yes. I'm curious about, like you said, it's it wasn't just you. Yeah. Those initial conversations with with the people that care about you. Mm. Um, you know, how what did you when you look back, what what did you learn from those initial conversations that potentially perhaps you hadn't heard before or you hadn't been listening to? So do you mean the conversations like with the ladies at coffee or do you talk no about with your partner or yeah. with the uh, carers or the yeah. people that found you? You know, looking yeah. back, you could bottle some of those conversations of the, where you guys go, God, wow, wow. You know, what sort of conversations were, were you having? What did you hear? So... I'm still, I, I think I'm still not really sure what the question to be honest. I'm curious as to the conversations that you had in that you mean after the event or as I started to change? After the event. Okay. After the event. All right. So, yeah, look, everybody was so shocked in my life about what had happened, Janine, because I'm somebody who everybody has always regarded as being enthusiastic, um, like happy-go-lucky, you know, high energy, um, positive, and and that is the true me. Uh, and that's the thing with um, mental health and, and suicide. It can be the people that you least expect because we can – be triggered by different things in our life you know that that one event you know that wasn't that person's fault as such it was this perfect storm that happened as a result of like my history and a particular set of circumstances um so the people around me just couldn't believe it and understandably questioned if they should have seen something you know if they should have said something if um you know what their role was in it like why couldn't I talk to them about what was going on and so yet yeah, there were lots of conversations around that sort of stuff I know I had seen my sister and my cousin on the Friday before things started really spiraling and my sister rang my cousin and was like what, how has this happened? What did we miss, you know? And they knew that I was not myself. They knew that I was struggling and that I was worried about work and they just had no idea of the, the depth of that and um, what, what was possible. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about all of us uh, being able to uh, 
have honest conversations with people and being able to ask if someone's thinking about suicide, it's a question I ask um, I've asked a lot because I think that it's better to ask and then to say, oh, my gosh, no, because you know. And on many occasions people have said yes to me because my, my, my radar is quite strong now uh, and I'm not afraid to ask the question, you know. Uh, and I, I had a friend and uh, her response was a, a laugh and I was like, oh, you know, wow, what's funny about this? And she said, oh, my GP just asked me this morning and I was like, great, you know. And I asked one of my partner's um, friends who I was worried about and knew he was going through some stuff and he was like, um, well, yeah, I am, but don't tell Greg, my partner, because he didn't think people would understand. And that's the thing. We have to be able to have these honest conversations and look out for each other. And if we've always got our masks on, um, people are going to keep thinking that they're alone and that, you know, Suicide is a possible solution and it never is, in my opinion. You know, it's a permanent solution to what is generally a temporary problem and things can change at any stage of our lives and, you know, and we have so much influence over that too. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because that's that's where my brain was going with trying to frame up that question because I do think as, a, as individuals and as society, you know, often we take people at face value of what you said in your your own story of people saw you as happy-go-lucky, always positive, et cetera, et cetera. And it's that that ability to delve a little bit deeper because we've created a, a society where it is about the superficial what we put out there. Yes. Um, so that's what I was trying to get to. So thank yeah. you for allowing me to lead you that way. And I guess my next question is, you know, the work that you are now doing, first of all, and you've sort of just touched on it, but but this passion that you have for your work, what is the change that you want to see? If you could be your own fairy godmother and wave a magic wand, what is your wish for humanity in the work that you do? Wow, it's really interesting you saying that because it's um, it's bringing up emotion for me. <laughs> like obviously it's pretty strong and um, pretty like sensitive for me um I want us to be able to be ourselves our authentic selves and to have the skills to communicate our needs and our feelings in a way that honors the other person and for the the other people that that are on the um you know the listening end of things for them to have the skills to listen and so often we don't feel heard in the world at all and and I don't think that's intentional I think people actually lack the skills to be able to listen empathetically to others and to not take things personally and because you know we've all got these different triggers and filters and beliefs that are coming you know into play and so understanding more about ourselves I think you know if we had a society where people understood themselves uh, I guess invested in their own growth um, and are open to understanding other people and able to communicate honestly and you know it, it can be scary sometimes to tell people what you need I have lots of these conversations at home and even though I've been doing it a while it still can be hard to be authentic and say you know I'm, I'm actually feeling really unsupported now or I'm going through a bit of a tough time and um, I really need to speak about you know what's coming up for me um, and, but I think when we can own what's what's going on for us, you know, um, I think it can reduce the defensiveness that might come up for other people. Mm. You know, oh, go on. No, no, no. I just, I'd love to because I'm imagining what some listeners might be thinking now as they're listening to your story and and the passion that that, that you are sharing about your work. And it will be around, okay, okay how, how do I do this? Because we know it's like saying to people, you know to, to live authentically to be brave we know this stuff it's a bit like a surface level the wearing a mask and and how do we do it so if yeah. 
if you are the listener, if you are the friend, the partner, the colleague, the boss, whoever it may be, yeah. um, what what are your, the critical tips? If you could give just, I don't know, two, three tips yeah. to somebody that has noticed yeah. you know, intuitively, because I think that's part of you got to listen to your intuition. I often say to people, we've all just got to slow down. We are so busy racing through life, so busy ticking off to-do lists yeah. that we're actually not really listening. Yeah. And when you stop and listen, the intuition, the, the message is there. And I guess my question is, okay, if you get that message, yes. what advice would you have? What, yeah. what do you wish someone had said to you before that day? What were you looking for that, that we can, you can teach through that experience other people that may have loved ones around them? Yeah. in the same position that you were in yeah look I, I think uh if we can let people know that they that we care that that you know that they're loved um that goes a really long way and and even that that they're seen you know that that you're there for them and so uh, taking uh like a sense of care into the conversation um is critical like it makes such a difference and then just listening being like you know you've probably heard that term and listeners may have as well but holding a space just actually being with a person and um being quiet so you know just letting them talk and being non-judgmental and sometimes it can be hard not to go to judgment you know that like our brains are trained to you know look out for threats and be analyzing situations but if we can actually be fully present if we can just sit with that person and create that space for them to be heard it, like it really can be trans transformational you know they I as a career coach I would sometimes sit with people and they would just talk and talk and talk and I would go uh-huh yeah and I'd reflect back what they said and then at the end of the session they would go oh okay I know what I've got to do now and I, I would love to say that happened every time but certainly it did happen and you know sometimes people just need to process what's going on and I absolutely believe you know, in that adage, a, a problem shared is a problem halved, you know, just to be able to speak about what's going on for us. And, you know, creating communities, creating relationships where people can honestly speak about what's going on for them, you know, where they can let down their guard. And I think that's a gift that we can all give to each other, you know. Uh, and, and I really honestly do believe in asking that question, are you having any thoughts about suicide? Like sometimes people fear that that could cause it, but all the research says it changes, it saves people's lives, okay? So, yeah, totally, it saves people's lives. Um, and it lets people know that, you know, that they're, you're somebody they can talk to about those thoughts as well. And you don't need to be an expert, but we can all actually be better listeners and help somebody to be able to shift in some way. What's interesting in that, Donna, because um, I, I couldn't agree more with everything you said, and I love that comment around giving people the gift and the permission to be themselves and to just talk of you don't have to feel the space. Sitting in silence is really powerful and, and we don't have to solve every problem. Um, my emotional triggers as you're talking is is that question yeah. that you're saying, just put it out there. And I've got a, a very, very good friend who uh, experienced similar to you and I didn't know until I had to go and visit her uh, in a mental hospital and I'm thinking as you're talking gosh was there a moment where I would have done asked that question and I guess for me it is it's a really brave question you've got to be so I feel like oh my god I can almost feel the vomit in my mouth at the thought yeah. of asking that question um you know what what is your advice on that is it like you, you've just got to be brave enough and put it's care the other point that I'm connecting to it is it's cares at the center yes sometimes that is the, the very caring question yes absolutely Janine um, um it's 
look, I'm not going to say that it's easy to ask that question when you first start, but, you know, it rolls off my tongue. Like I have no problem asking it. And I think, you know, when I imagine that that sort of dream society, it's one way everyone can easily ask that question. You know, well, I think it would be great when we move beyond that and it's less of an issue, but I think we need to get comfortable asking that question and I uh, have a gentleman in my network who is a CEO of uh, like a small organization and they actually practice asking the question at their management meetings they like break up and they uh, ask each other a question to build muscle memory yeah around yeah. that and like anything the more we do it the easier it gets yeah if you could look back, Donna, what do you wish you told yourself to do? In the lead up or? In that lead up, yeah. So the flipping flipping the lens slightly yeah. for any, any, any listeners that may yeah. be listening and, uh, and wanting me to ask you that question. What, yeah. what do you wish you told yourself to do? What action do you think wish you'd taken? And I know hindsight's a wonderful thing. But... <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had. Uh, I wish I'd spoken to somebody about what was going on. I wish that I didn't um, perceive that as a failure. I, I wish I. Yeah, I I knew that um, it's okay to to fail. That we can learn from it and. Um, that it doesn't mean that you're a failure. You know, I love that saying, um, failure is an event, it's not a person, you know. And I just think all of us need to know that we we have a a birthright to to feel well and and live a fulfilling life and we, yeah, when when we're not, when we're struggling, you know, there's usually a reason for it and, you know, it's something we can work through and, and in fact, it, it can be transformational to work through that stuff too. Mm-hmm. So who is who is Donald? Donald? Donna Thistlethwaite. <laughs> Donald, Donald Thistlethwaite sounds very Yorkshire, doesn't it? We were talking there about uh, Donna's surname and coming from Yorkshire myself, I'm like, that sounds like there's some heritage there. Yeah. She goes, yes, it's a Yorkshire name. I'm like, definitely. So, <laughs> so who is... Who is Donna Thistlethwaite now? If you had to describe who she is now, and you said earlier, I feel like I've been put on this planet for a reason. There's a reason I'm here. There's a reason I've got to do this work. There's a reason. Who is she now? Oh, I would say she is an imperfect human (laughs) who is uh, doing her best to be a, a, a parent, a good parent, a conscious parent and to make a difference in the world and to stop people from ever having to walk that path that I took. So, Donna, we're talking a lot about obviously your journey and the passion that you have right now and the work that you're doing. Um, If we can think about organisations for a second, um, because there may be some leaders listening to this podcast who are starting to get curious about, okay, Maybe this is something that I should be having a conversation about in my organization, particularly with the increased awareness of the impact on mental health that this pandemic pandemic has had. Um, how do you go about supporting organizations and leaders to make sure that they are having the right conversations? Yeah, absolutely, Jenny. Um, in addition to my speaking, uh, I'm a mental health first aid instructor and I absolutely love mental health first aid. What I'm really conscious of is that mental health first aid is it's pretty much like the PPE level of the hierarchy of safety controls. So I think we do all need to be able to identify when someone's struggling and be able to confidently have a conversation with them. But I'm also 
very, very interested in working upstream of that. How do we reduce the number of people who actually uh, end up struggling mentally? So I work with this amazing tool called Resilience at Work. It is a model that and framework that comes out of uh, South Australia. A woman called Catherine McEwen developed it in org psych. And it actually looks at the different levers that we have to enhance our workplace resilience and it there are many often people think about self-care but there's lots of different things like whether we're working you know in alignment with our values when we whether we feel a sense of belonging in the organization whether we're able to ask for help or um, give help to others whether we're able to um whether we're able to learn from our setbacks. And what I love about it is that it looks at the whole system as well. It's not just about the individual. So it's really about being able to handle the everyday stresses of work and life and being able to learn from setbacks, but then also being able to proactively prepare for the future. So I love sharing that in organisations. It makes such a difference. And um, as I said, it's all about the proactive yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And this podcast is all about unleashing brilliance. You know, one of the things I write about is I think it's the the hardest learning, the hardest life lesson, mm-hmm. uh, the hardest education and this ability to actually own our imperfections and rise above them, yeah. to actually accept our mistakes and not beat ourselves up for them. Because when we can own our imperfections and accept our mistakes and just be, then actually what we do is we give permission to other people to be the same. And what I'm really grateful for in this conversation is the bravery that I've had to ask you some of the questions. I'm going, oh, do I go there? And equally the honesty and vulnerability that, that you've had. Because I'm hoping that by doing this, you, you epitomize that accepting imperfections and owning mistakes, but not letting yourself beat yourself up about it. Um, if you had to have that final message to, to the people that are listening around in the context of your work and your life so far, what, what message do you want to give our listeners? You know, I think I said before that that we all have that birthright to feel well and live a fulfilling life and just never give up. You know, if you ever find yourself struggling, reach out to somebody because every day is a new day and I just think, like, our best days are, are ahead of us and it's it's a matter of being here to experience them and, and just imagine the, the life that you want and, you know, keep that dream alive. Mm, I love that. Donna, if I, uh, if I was an incredible magician and I could uh, Zoom your father in that you said, your dad said has been an influencing figure on your life, mm. what would you like to say to him? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I, I, I would say... You know, thank you for those, you know, amazing qualities that um, have served me so well, you know, that tenacity and, um, yeah, even like the challenges that all of that stuff brought have made me who I am. So I would just, yeah, say how grateful I am uh, for the life that I've had. Mm. And do you still keep in touch with those guys that rescued you from the water? <laughs> um, I spoke to them, um, I think in September, they did an article in New Idea and they wanted to use a picture of the three of us. And uh, so I reached out to them, but I, I have probably caught up with them three or four times since, um, yeah, since 2012, the, the crisis was, and they are just the nicest guys. They're just beautiful lifelong friends how huh? they were obviously part of the uh, the miracle journey um donna you dedicate your life now to this work and mental health as you shared at the beginning uh you do a significant amount of work in organizations and at an individual level you speak mm-hmm. um you know anyone that googled you would find that you are a massive 
visual advocate through your interviews, your podcasts, the media, etc. Um, should any of our listeners from around the world want to reach out and have a conversation or explore how you can support uh, your work in, in with them, what's the best way for them to contact you? I would say through LinkedIn or my website. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. That's my, my go-to uh, social media channel. And, uh, and then I've got a website, which <laughs> we were talking about the name, Thistlethwaite. Uh, it is donathistlethwaite.com.au, but there's also a, a, a shortened version. So if people were to search Donna Speaks, uh, or the URL is donaspeaks.com.au. Donna, I feel very privileged to have had this conversation with you. Um, thank you for the gifts you have shared today. Um, and thank you for all the work that you are doing. There is no doubt that you are making an incredible impact on the planet right now in terms of the people that are hearing you speak and the work that you are doing. And even those 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 gifts that you shared today around all of us, the responsibility to uh, create the safe space for people around us to listen and listen and listen um, with care at the centre of the connection. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably one of the, the biggest things that we can do, teach ourselves and other people to really care. And if we can do that as a human race, let's hope that the statistics, the numbers, the stories slowly disappear from our uh, our heritage and um, I just want to thank you it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today for me too Janine thank you very much my pleasure today's podcast episode requires a disclaimer for some people the conversation in this podcast may be confronting and touches on the topic of suicide which can be triggering Please consider how you are feeling today when deciding whether to listen. And if you aren't feeling at your optimal mental health, you may not want to listen to this episode. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please get help immediately. In Australia, Lifeline provides 24-7 crisis support on 131114 or please refer to appropriate services in your location.